Super Talk Mississippi media production. In the Mississippi Legislature, House Bill 728 funds health care for illegal immigrants. Call your legislator today at 601-359-3770. Ask them to stop House Bill 728. It's not too late. You can help stop this. Paid for by Building America's Future. What's up, everybody? Glad to see you. It's been a long, long time, but I'm glad to be back with you. It's been, shoot, it's been a week, over a week since I've talked to you guys last. Uh, Took the entire week off of the radio show as well, so I haven't done anything like this in what feels like an eternity, but I'm glad that you guys are with me. I've got to check something. My, uh, My mixer's not showing that I'm sending any audio to you guys. I don't know why. So, okay, I am, but... Something is broken here now. You know, it's it's just an embarrassment of riches at the Borky House because I have none. <laughs> uh, so sometimes I got to do things like use a twenty-year-old mixer, but that's okay. We are we're live and in color, and glad to see you guys, Justin. Uh, Happy New Year's, man! Oh wow, uh, I hope you're enjoying yourself up there. That's uh, that's incredible. Uh, spending your time up there. I was at the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains, uh, or I, well, they're called Blue Ridge, where I'm from. Uh, but I was at the foothills of those for the last few days. Uh, spent some time at, uh, at the Sierra Nevada Brewery, which is an awesome place, by the way. If you guys are ever around Nashville, or excuse me, Asheville, uh, you've got to check that place out. Uh, it, it's as impressive as a beer-making facility can be. It's incredible. Uh, and there's just like kids and dogs running around and stuff. Everything's really clean and like the food's great and uh, it's awesome. Really cool spot. So uh, enjoy yourself and happy new year to all of you. Uh, I hope you all had a Merry Christmas and a safe one. Uh, I'm really, uh, really thankful for all of you and hope you had as good of a holiday as I did with family. But I hate t- taking time off, guys, because I miss so much. I miss so much in just a week. I mean, think about all the things that have happened since then between the last time I talked to you and now. So you've had Mississippi State play their bowl game. You've had Ole Miss lose uh, another staff member. Some people think that there's another one that's going to be gone too. And then there might be some uh, turnover in terms of, you know, terminations as opposed to leaving for other jobs. But uh, all these bowl games, all this stuff has happened uh, between then and now, but I hope you all had a Merry Christmas and uh, enjoyed the football. I'm not getting into the the Danny Cannell, you know, we have too many bowl games thing. I'm really not. But I will say, how much fun was yesterday? How much fun was yesterday? Shane Beamer, who, by the way, that's your SEC coach of the year. Uh, Kirby Smart could not have done with Shane Beamer's roster what Shane Beamer did with Shane Beamer's roster. No shot. Uh, That's your SEC coach of the year. Going to and winning a bowl game with that roster should have never happened. Ever. Should have never happened. And yet, it did. The quarterback issues that they had. General just badness uh, across the board on that roster, with the exception of a, a couple of players that have a shot at the next level. But that is the best coaching job 
in the SEC. That was the best coaching job in the SEC. I would argue even better than Lane Kiffin winning 10 games at Ole Miss because the Ole Miss roster has an elite-level quarterback, right? A, a good offensive line with a couple of guys that could play at the next level. Good wide receivers. A great running back room. Pieces on defense. Sam Williams is going to play at the next level. Chance Campbell, if he does not return, although will be a late draft pick, he'll make a roster at the next level, right? I think Jake Springer has a chance to make a roster at the next level. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of pieces at Ole Miss that Shane Beamer did not have. And while Beamer had four fewer wins, I was so down on that team and that program going into the season. And to win a bowl game is the most impressive thing that happened in the SEC this year to me. And uh, not Homer, because I could have gone to South Carolina and chose not to because I hate it there. So, you know, not a Homer pick. But um, we had him winning a bowl game and getting mayonnaise dumped on his head. And then the guy that had to play wide receiver for them kind of by default in the post game, crying because he's so proud of his team and his program for winning that game. Uh, and then you had Tennessee Purdue, which was just a great football game that ended in controversy because of course it did. And then Michigan state Pittsburgh was fine. Maybe we'll get to that because there were some optics that I didn't like it in that game, but maybe we'll get to it. Maybe we won't, but that was still a good game. And then Wisconsin last night, that, that was a great day of football and all of those, as I make sure I get their records correctly. So the peach bowl is a big game, but North Carolina was six and six. And so is South Carolina going into that game. Tennessee was seven and five. Purdue was eight and four going into that game. Wisconsin was eight and four. Arizona was eight and four going into that game. So not good teams, not prestigious bowl games or anything like that. Um, but yet we had a great day of football, a great day of football. And you've got people in my business that somehow have managed to get bigger platforms than mine that spent their day trying to convince people that that was bad. Oh, we've got too many bowl games. Oh, oh that's so stupid. What was not great about yesterday? Are you kidding me? It's it's mind-blowing that, that people who cover college football can complain about having more college football. It's just, it, it absolutely blows my mind. It really does. It blows my mind. Well, it's participation trophy. Yeah, so what? Who cares? Why, why, why does that bother you so bad? You got football yesterday, a full day of it, and it was a great day of football. Enjoy it. Enjoy. The players enjoyed it. They loved it. My gosh, South Carolina had a player crying in his postgame interview because he was so proud of his team. They obviously matter to these kids. So anyway, off the soapbox, we got a lot more things to talk about. Good morning, Wayne. Glad to see you. Tucker, glad and clear. Awesome. Awesome. Brett says, before we get to Tennessee, their fan base deserved another crushing loss after how they acted against Ole Miss. Plus, who knows if they would have won the game anyway. Uh, No, and I agree. I mean, there was still more to get played. I do think they got screwed. They really did. I mean, that's a touchdown to me. I don't understand the logic behind it doesn't the, the whistle is irrelevant. And then Tom Hart goes on Twitter and says, uh, the explanation he was given is that they could that, that's not a reviewable play. 
at all because forward progress, for whatever reason, is not a reviewable play. They just decide the play's over, and that's it. Although players are trained to play to the whistle, and there wasn't one, so they kept going. If you want the play to stop, blow the whistle, and the play's going to continue until you blow the whistle. That's how it should be. That's how these guys are trained. But either way, Tom Hart said they reviewed it for optics, that they couldn't overturn it regardless because that is a non-reviewable play. So they reviewed it for optics. Now think about that. Think about that for a second. They reviewed that play just to give people the illusion that they reviewed it because it's a non-reviewable play. Tennessee fans have a right to be pissed today. That's crap. Also, uh, I love Josh Heupel going for it there. I love him going for it there. I had some uh, people say to me on Twitter last night that, oh, that wasn't the right move. Uh, He cost his team the game by going for it there. I disagree. I completely disagree because it's fourth and, I mean, it's fourth and this much, right? Fourth and this much, you score, and the next possession, I guess, unless Purdue goes for two. But, the, the goal as a coach is to win the game, right? Going for it for Josh Heupel in that moment maximized his team's chances to win the game. Kicking a field goal there just prolong, prolongs you not losing. But if you score there from fourth and this much, which is something that you should and and did do, by the way, despite terrible blocking up front, just a great individual play from a running back, um, that gave his team the best chance to win the game. Not go to the next overtime where you cannot win unless, I guess, you block a field goal. But you can lose. If you score there, you cannot lose on produce possession, right? You can't lose on produce possession. But if you kick a field goal there, you can lose on Purdue's possession. So if you score a touchdown in that moment, which they did, and you get a stop, the game's over. But if you kick a field goal in that possession, you can lose the game on the next one. Percentages, all that stuff, he maximized his team's chance to win the game. I support that decision. It didn't work out. They lost the game. But if I'm a Tennessee fan today, I'm not mad at Heupel. I love, I love the guts. Herm Edwards, you play to win the game. And Josh Heupel played to win the game last night. And they should have scored, and they didn't because of bad officiating. That's a touchdown. And every level of football, that's a touchdown. And they got screwed, but I admire a coach coaching actually to win as opposed to to not to lose. Because kicking a field goal there would have been coaching to prolong the game, not to win the game. So I respect the move. I respect the guts. I think that was a good call. Good to see you, Wayne. I think I already said that, but that's all right. Paul says, uh, glad to have you back, Porky. Glad to be back, Paul. Good to see you. Happy New Year, he says, and let's go Rebels. I uh, I have seen a lot of people in New Orleans. My gosh. Um, apparently, Baylor is preparing as if it's going to be a road game. Like, they're practicing with crowd noise and stuff like that. Dave Aranda said this week that they're they're preparing – as if they would in a road environment. Uh, they expect it to be a heavy old miscrowd, and they're right. I mean, it it will be, and especially in the dome, uh, a place, you know, they don't play in domes. 
40,000 people in the Superdome are, are louder than six, you know, 60,000 people at Ames, Iowa, right? So they're preparing for it to be a road game. They really are. Brett says, you can't help but like Shane Beamer. I agree. I mean, just his his team clearly loves him. Um, he roasted Dennis Dodd yesterday on Twitter, too. God, that was brutal. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I did not expect South Carolina to be what they were this year. And, it's I mean, it's not like they were good. That's how down I was on that team. Um, since it's Danny Cannell's more on all levels anyway, wants to be an ACC fine bomb, not even close. It, it's just exhausting, man. It's just, it really is exhausting. Um, the obsession with college football people, media people, on these games, it, it's crazy to me. I don't understand it. And then you have some, oh, well, the, the players opting out shows how meaningless they are. Uh, did, state fans, I know you miss Charles Cross. Uh, he would have helped a lot. He would have helped a lot. But... Random media person in other southern market that is not Mississippi has no idea who Charles Cross is at all. Like, when you watched the Liberty Bowl, did you miss Charles Cross? No. You don't even know who he is. Although, he's a first-round pick, and if you cover college football, you should know who he is. But, you know, people that cover college football don't actually cover college football. They just speak in these, you know... I consumed a lot of media over the last... Week And I really didn't like what I heard from a lot of people, Uh, people that are in college football markets that know nothing uh, at all about college football. It's the damnedest thing. But I I mean, did you did you miss Kenny Walker last night in the Peach Bowl? Probably. I mean, that game would have been better with Pickett and Walker in it. But did you did you really did that change the Liberty Bowl for you that Charles Cross wasn't in it. Did that really change that game for you? No, it did nothing for you. You have no idea who he is, so stop. Oh, opt-outs are ruining bull season. No, they're not. I had a great time yesterday. Did you guys? I did. I enjoyed every game. There were some opt-outs in each game. In transfers. In each game. They were still a lot of fun. It was still good football. Anyway. And yeah, exactly. Non-championship bowl game. Go for it. Go for it. What do you got to lose? It's it's the Music City Bowl. It's the trans-perfect Music City Bowl. Go for it. What do you got to lose? The game? So what? Coach to win. Coach to win. Brett uh, saying LOL at Miss State. Yeah, that was uh, that was not a good showing. We'll uh, we'll get to that right now. Actually, um, both of these things can be true at once for Mississippi State. Both can be true at the same time. Um. There is reason to be concerned going into 2022 about Mississippi State in the offense. And there's also simultaneously reason to be quite optimistic about Mississippi State in the offense. Here's what I mean by that. So, yes, the team was missing some players, especially defensively. Uh, I don't look at that game and how many points they gave up uh, as necessarily an indictment on, on Mississippi State and Zach Arnett and things like that. They were missing a lot of bodies on defense, on the defensive line, in the secondary, starters, backups. I mean, there was a lot of dudes on that side of the ball that that were not playing in that game. So giving up, you know, five touchdowns to Texas Tech, I, I don't necessarily – not five touchdowns, four touchdowns and two field goals. I, I don't necessarily look at that as a problem considering the sheer number of bodies – uh, that were out. 
Uh, it's not ideal, but I get it more so than I do on offense. Um, the problem that I've had with State all year is the incredible inconsistency. And that's what I'd be concerned about moving forward is the fact that Texas Tech is the worst Power 5 defense that they saw this year. Uh, one of the worst pass defenses in all of college football. Seriously. Like, number 117 in pass defense in college football. Uh, they were among the worst in the sport in basically every major defensive statistical category. And I know they were without Charles Cross and Lashley. I, I know that, and that does change things. If you can't protect, then it, it's hard to throw the ball 60 times in a game like Mississippi State often often does, and they throw it 53 times in the game anyway. But that's who you're going to be without next season anyway. And uh, God bless Malik Heath. Uh, ho- hopefully he's still on a, a good path to recovery. Um, being without those two guys who you're going to be without next year and Malik Heath does not explain how wildly ineffective you were offensively against one of the worst defenses in college football, and Power 5 football, I should say. One of the worst in Power 5 football, especially – uh, against the pass, the worst Power 5 defense you saw this year, maybe Vanderbilt was worse. So not named Vanderbilt, but Vanderbilt's better statistically against the pass than Texas Tech. Um, That's what is frustrating with if this system. That is what's frustrating about this team this year is uh, there are times where that offense looks so sharp and so effective. Look at the Auburn game. I mean, they were down 28-3 to at one point in that game, but how after that, when the flip switched, they were unstoppable against a defense that has better players uh, than that of Texas Tech's, for sure. But then you get in situations like what you saw in the bowl game where you couldn't move the football. I mean, Will Rogers averaging five yards per attempt in that game. That's it's simply not good enough. I mean, that's a very elementary way to put it, but... That's why I said what I did on Twitter going into 2022. This season is pivotal for Mike Leach and for Mississippi State because that offense is too inconsistent right now to be anything more than a 7-5 and five football team. Luckily for State, I think Will Rogers progressed extremely well this year from what he was week one to what he was, although really struggled against Ole Miss and in the bowl game, a lot of that had to do with drops and, and other things, but he did progress very well. I don't think he's the issue as much as some state fans want to put the blame on him. I don't think he's he's as much as the issue as some fans think he is. I, I really don't. I think he progressed well in another offseason. He should have a really good 2022, but all the passing records in the world don't mean anything if you're not scoring points. I mean, it's great that you broke school records with passing and completion percentage, but what did that get you? Uh, What was all those offensive yards, what did they equate to? Six losses where, yes, Ole Miss got better defensively. Ole Miss was a decent defense by the end of the year, but you really couldn't move the football on that defense. Texas Tech in a bowl game, yes, you're without Charles Cross and Lashley, but next year you're going to be without Charles Cross and Lashley. So, sorry, I had to block that that bot there. 
it's too inconsistent. It does not score consistently enough. From one week to the next, you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know what you're going to get on a week-to-week basis, and that is that's frustrating for fans. I, I mean, I, I saw it. I looked at the message boards and stuff to see, and I know those aren't the best gauge of uh, – that's not the best gauge of reality, right? Message boards, but still a lot of people justifiably so were concerned about the the ebbs and flow of this team. And will that be them moving forward? You return every skill player back on offense. And that's significant. That, that's, that's really significant. And I expect the team to be more consistent next year, but you got to see it. 2022 is pivotal for Mike Leach and that offense. They have to be more consistent because that bowl game was not the only time that they struggled last year offensively so you can point it to missing your tackles but you're gonna be missing your tackles next year those two guys anyway so either the the juco guy you got in recruiting has got to come in and and be effective right away or you've got to get somebody in the portal that can plug and play because the sec is filled with elite pass rushers you guys saw it it's filled with them and if you can't protect rogers in this system the liberty bowl is what you're going to get the old Miss game, drops aside, is what you're going to get. So there's reason for optimism because I, I do. I think people are way too hard on Will Rogers. He progressed well. He looks more in command of the offense. I'd be more concerned about offensive line, specifically tackle, than I would Will Rogers. People, State fans are way too hard on him. He got better as the year's gone on. He's not going to be perfect every game. The problem is, to me, offensive tackle if you can't protect him it doesn't matter and the inconsistencies of the system would be more of a concern for me that's not a Rodgers problem that's been a Mike Leach thing for a while Uh, you know they beat teams that they shouldn't beat Texas A&M well you know I think State and A&M were on equal footing this year to tell you the truth but you lose to LSU you can't score really against Ole Miss you can't score at all against Texas Tech you couldn't score against Memphis not a good Memphis team I mean, all the way back to week one, you blocked a last-second field goal to beat Louisiana Tech. Um, it, it's There's reason for concern, but there's also reason for optimism. And I, I do, I, I'm do. i a big fan of Zach Arnett, and I think the defense, as long as he's there, is always going to be pretty damn good. And they got a good piece in the portal um, to, to really help in the secondary. That was frustrating, though. I mean, it, it's there's they're not consistent enough. At all, offensively. Uh, They are not consistent enough. And they have to be. Because my question was, what did you fire Joe Moorhead for? I know there was internal stuff, your quarterback, all that. I understand that. Joe Moorhead didn't get fired for on-field performance, but he did go to two bowl games and beat Ole Miss twice. Did you fire him and pay that buyout to go to lower middle-tier bowl games and lose to Ole Miss? No. Expectations have been elevated. So 2022 is pivotal, pivotal for Mike Leach. The offense has to be more consistent. And you got to beat Ole Miss. You have to. You, going 0-3 against Ole Miss, and, and what happens if they roll out another 7-5? and Or maybe go 8-4. and But one of those four is to Ole Miss. It's a pivotal year. They've got to be more consistent because that, yes, you are missing players, but that performance from your offense in that game against that team, not good enough. And um, 
We'll see. I mean, again, it's it's both both things can be true. Reason for a concern, reason for optimism. Rodgers is back. That group of receivers is back. Running back room's back. It's got to produce, but you got to protect better. Tackle has got to get better at uh, at Mississippi State. Yeah, it got to because what you saw in the bowl game. If that's what you're rolling out next year, then then it's going to be ugly. But we'll uh, we will see. So reason for optimism, reason for concern. Both things can be true at the exact same time. What hurt Rodgers the most, Sid said, was uh, that he wasn't Corral. Corral was a generational player. That's true. He is. Um, that that's why I never engaged in the which one's better because anybody with a set of eyes could have told you which quarterback was better. Um, I had people try to tell me that if you you would rather have Will Rogers for Mike Leach's system, and I, I don't understand what that means. You, you would rather anyway. I'm not going to engage in that. Rogers is a good player. I think he's going to progress even more if he continues on this trajectory. He's going to end up uh, being being a very very good quarterback. I, I like him a lot. I think state fans are are way too some state fans are way too hard on him. But the comparisons between he and Corral were so ridiculous that I, I didn't engage in them. If you had a set of eyes, you knew. And and that's okay. I, if, who was better, Dak Prescott or Bo Wallace? Uh, I mean, Ole Miss fans used to say Bo Wallace, but that's objectively false. It, it always was. It's, it's okay to have the, the other team in the rivalry have a elite-level quarterback. Like that, that, That's okay. It, it does happen sometimes. Anyway. Anyway, Patrick says, sorry if this has been talked about. Not yet by me. How big would it be if Wilson Love leaves for Oregon? Um, there's no if. It's it's done. Um, it's so done that Ole Miss was, uh, as I understand it, interviewing his replacement, multiple candidates, as uh, as his replacement. Um, it's significant. I, I think Wilson Love is really good at his job, uh, clearly. I think he has changed some bodies on that team. Uh, you could especially running three-man fronts. Um, and they didn't sub a whole lot on the offensive line because their tempo. You know, they couldn't. Uh, they very infrequently would replace offensive linemen. I mean, most games they would play with like five or six guys. You know, they would take all the snaps, and they were as effective as they were throughout full games, running 80 snaps a game. And I think a lot of that is credit to Wilson Love. Uh, he had... He changed bodies. The team was obviously in very good shape. Uh, they got better as the season went on. Uh, the, the trenches, those guys looked good. They played well. I think he's very good at, at what he does. And, and also, because strength coaches are with the teams the most, if you can believe it. I mean, all summer, it's just the strength coach. Like, the strength coach is the program during the summer. Uh, the players really liked Wilson Love. Uh, love Wilson Love. Um uh, you know, apt last name there. Um, he's really good at what he does. I mean, there's a reason Dan Lanning wanted him at Oregon. He's really good at what he does. It's a significant loss. But uh, I think based on some of the candidates that are out there, some of the guys that apparently have, have even interviewed, um, a good hire is about to be made. I mean, I was, I was I texted Hayden earlier. I don't think he's up yet uh, about one of the, the possible candidates that's going to be a, Really, 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 really good hire if that's, in fact, the one they make. Um, so there's no if. He, he's he gone after the Sugar Bowl. He's gone. And um, I think if they are, if the leading 
rumor this morning. Like I got a text from a friend telling me, and I'm sure this guy gets his stuff from like the moderators at message boards, but he refuses to tell me that's where he gets his stuff. So like this could be straight from like Ben Garrett or Neil McCrady, but my friend's like, hey, I heard this. Well, did you hear it? Or did one of those guys on those message boards you pay for tell you that that's who it's going to be? But uh, I got a text from a friend this morning. Hey, I heard that Nick Savage is going to be the replacement. And I know he got that from some board. So like, I know he got that from somewhere, but it, it, like, if that's the guy, um, that would be a, a home run, like knocked it out of the freaking park grand slam higher. It would, that'd be big time. So that's at least encouraging that if in fact, um, that is who replaces him. Um, and if that's the case, that's big time. Uh, there was also some talk of a couple other guys uh, out there uh, that were either interviewing or they were interested in. So I, I don't know. I, honestly, I don't know. As of this morning, uh, I'll look into it. I will. Uh, I'll look into it. I'm recording a Rebel report this afternoon before the game. I know, but I just got back, so you know, um, I, I'll have more by then. But if that's the case, like that's a hell of a hire. So that's uh, that's good there. Um, let's talk about the, the rest of them though. Ole Miss seems to be having a lot of staff turnover this off season. And this is what happens. This is what, uh, fans need to get used to. If your team's going to continue winning, other people are going to want your staff members. This is how it works. Ole Miss had a historic season. The first time they've ever won 10 games in a regular season. Uh, this is what happens when you do that. People want the guys that orchestrated a season like the one that they're currently having. And again, if they win the sugar bowl tomorrow, then they will have the best season, most wins anyway, in program history. So people are going to want your guys. What I have realized, though, during all of this is that I think, and and I'm sorry to to just kind of tell the truth on this one, I think fans have an overinflated sense of what Ole Miss currently is. And and I, I hate to say that because I do think both jobs, this applies to state as well, both jobs in this state are better than the national people give it credit for. I think Ole Miss and Mississippi State are really good jobs. I think they're top 35 jobs, top 30 jobs in college football. I I do. I think you can have sustained success at both of these places, but not to the level of other programs within your conference or out of it that have more resources than you. It's just reality. Yes, Ole Miss is putting $400 million into a facility project. It's going to look fantastic, but that's what they're doing. That's the future. $400 $400 million, you don't just snap your fingers and boom, all the upgrades are made. I mean, the, the, this project to completion is years away, years away. I mean, I think Keith Carter today is going to reveal the renderings for the stadium expansion. Well, that thing won't be done for years. Uh, you're catching up, but you're not there yet. And so when people say that Wilson Love made a lateral move, I'm sorry, that's not the case. The strength and conditioning coach job at Oregon Think about the difference between what he has to work with there versus what he has to work with at Ole Miss. Keith Carter, to his credit, is doing everything he can to improve the the resources, the facilities, and all that at Ole Miss, but it's not there yet. Wilson Love at Oregon will have anything he wants, whenever he wants it, the most innovative technology. Everything's up to date, and everything's already built. Again, Ole Miss is putting $400 into their facilities now. Oregon's already got all that now. 
it's probably it's likely more money with all the toys you can imagine. So yeah, the, the title is identical. Strength and conditioning coach at Oregon, strength and conditioning coach at Ole Miss. The the title is identical, but I, I do not see lateral move. I, I don't see that because he has more resources at Oregon. Anything he wants, the most innovative technology, all the, the money in the world, everything is already there. So do you hate losing someone like that? Yes. Do I think the Oregon job as a football job is better than Ole Miss? No, I, I think they're on equal footing at this point with the ability to acquire players and stuff like that. I think Oregon's a more difficult job than people nationally say it is. All the Nike and the money in the world doesn't make the state of Oregon better at producing players. It, it doesn't. Uh, there's a reason they... Anyway, I don't think it's as good of a job as people nationally give it credit for. But when you're talking about the SNC coach, I think it's a better job. And so I don't blame somebody for taking that job. To me, that's not a lateral move. Jeff Levy, I don't think, made a lateral move. He has the same title. But guys, it's Oklahoma. Look at the last three quarterbacks that have gone to Oklahoma or that, that finished their career at Oklahoma. Look at Baker Mayfield and Jalen Hurts, and Kyler Murray, and what they were and what they became, and, and the players that Oklahoma has been able to acquire, and the facilities, and, and all of that, and, and their success as a program, it's a better job than Ole Miss. I'm sorry. It, it, it just is. Could you argue that the gap is closer than people nationally give it credit for? I argue that all the time. But especially for an offensive coordinator who, by the way, went to school there. It's his alma mater. But I, I, Jeff Levy made a lateral move. I disagree. It's the same title, but it's his alma mater. I do think Oklahoma's a better job. And it's his show. It's his show. I mean, watch when Ole Miss plays. When Ole Miss is on offense, Lane Kiffin has a play sheet, and he's talking the whole time. Yes, Jeff Lebby calls the plays and calls the offense. He does. But you're trying to tell me that Lane Kiffin's not involved in play calling and decision-making and scheme? There's a, guys, there's a reason he's got a play sheet in his hand, and there's a reason he's involved. I mean, nonstop and Ole Miss is on offense. He's looking at his play sheet, and he's talking nonstop. He's involved. For Jeff Lebby, it's his alma mater. It's a better job. And he doesn't have anybody involved in the offense beside himself. That's an upgrade. It's an upgrade. I'm sorry. It is. And then there's rumors that DJ Durkin's going to take the Texas A&M opening. Oh, lateral move. Why would he make a lateral move? It's not. Texas A&M just signed the best recruiting class in the country. Have they underachieved? Absolutely, they have. They have absolutely underachieved. They're soft as a program. I make fun of them all the time. But I also am able to, to face reality and see that if he's trying to get back to be a head coach, you know what will really help? Having a top 10 defense. You know what's easier or where it's easier to have a top 10 defense? Texas A&M, where they have top 10 players. Ole Miss isn't there yet. Yes. Yeah. I mean, replacing this much staff and having them leave for the same title at other places is pretty humbling. But – I just I don't see what other people see when they say lateral move. It's not, guys. It's not. Look at look at 
When is the last time AM has achieved? Never. <laughs> Never. I mean, you know me. I make fun of that program all the time because they're soft. They underachieve. They are soft. Soft as hell. But look at the recruiting classes they have just signed. And look at the money that they have and the resources that they have. I get it. If that's what DJ Durkin does, I would understand. It's very likely more money, and it's a better chance for him to have better defenses, which will help him position himself to get back into head coaching again. You hate it. It sucks. But that's reality. It is. Uh, But what should give you comfort is the fact that um, Lane Kiffin so far at Ole Miss has done an exceptional job at hiring. He's done an exceptional job at hiring. I mean, look at the, his initial staff, and then he replaced some guys on last year's staff, and then had a, had somebody leave, and look at what he replaced them with. He's done an excellent job at firing and hiring. Done, I mean, as that's objectively true. Like, you cannot argue against me in that. You can't do it. Hiring and firing is, I think, Lane Kiffin's best quality so far at Ole Miss. The staff he's put together is a really good one, and the guys he's replaced him with has been really good. Uh, I mean, we'll see about Charlie Weiss Jr. I know a lot of people were were unhappy about that hire, but, I, I mean, I understand it. But in 2019, when Charlie Weiss Jr. was the OC under Lane Kiffin, they were number 14 in all of college football and, and scoring. At Florida Atlantic, number 14 in college football and scoring. It has not gone well for him at USF under a former Clemson assistant who uh, apparently former Clemson assistants, especially the offensive guys, are awful when they leave Clemson. Uh, Awful. I mean, Chad Morris and now this at USF, that's brutal. Um, Brutal. But I, I know some people are underwhelmed with that. But I think that tells me that um, Kiffin's a lot more involved in the offense than people wanted to give him credit for. I mean, again, you watch him on the sidelines. What if he? If that was all Jeff Levy last year, if, if Kiffin had no influence on the offense, why was he holding a play sheet? And why, when they were on offense, was he constantly talking? Why? So. One, it's harder to hire an offensive coordinator when they know it's kind of your show. And two, there's familiarity there. They've worked together before. Charlie Weiss Jr. is younger than me, by the way. Younger than me, if you can believe that, by a year and a half. What am I doing with my life, right? I mean, he's an offensive coordinator in the SEC and talking to you guys on YouTube. But um, there's no reason to doubt his hires yet. And you you hate staff turnover. I understand it. You you do. You absolutely do. But this is what happens when you have historic seasons. People want your coaches. And and better programs are going to come take your coaches. Offer them more money. Stuff like that. It's going to happen. Is Lane Kiffin more like Nick Saban? Or is he more like Ed Orgeron? Will he be able to continue replacing staff with good staff members and keep it rolling? Or will will that be his downfall? We'll see. But when you have historic seasons, people come get your guys. That's what happens. What do you do next? Do you replace those guys with more good guys? If that's the case, then it's fine. But this is what happens in college football. When you have historic seasons, people come get your guys. Oklahoma State had a historically good defense. 
Ohio State went and got their defensive coordinator. That's what happens. So we'll see if Kiffin can continue that. But to doubt that so far, I think is um, I think is uh, a kind of a silly thing to do right now. But people are freaking out. This is what happens when you have good seasons. Relax. Um, but I'm sorry, I don't think that they're lateral moves. I, I think Texas A&M, as much as you hate it, provides a better opportunity for if DJ Durkin gets the job and takes the job, provides a better opportunity for him to get back into head coaching. That's just my opinion. Um, people will want that job. And so far, Kiffin's done a good job at replacing staff. We'll see if he continues to do that. But this was going to happen when you have a historic season. Nick Saban loses assistance big time every year. It happens. It just does. Tucker's just got to go. Great show this morning. Glad to see you, man. Glad to see you. Uh, happy New Year to you. And um, yeah, enjoy yourself, man. If you're going to New Orleans, enjoy yourself. Sid says, and they've never been able to convert uh, with those extra amenities. You can't always look at the past. College football has changed more than any sport. I know. I, yeah, definitely. But I'm looking at the current as well. And Texas A&M just brought in the best collection of talent in the country. Brett says, I saw a job posting on an Ole Miss site for an associate coach. Didn't give any details. Yeah, I mean, things are going to move quickly in the next couple of weeks. Move quickly. With firings, there might be one or two where it's a firing as opposed to a guy taking another job. Um, But there's going to be some turnover. That's what happens when you have really good teams. That's what happens. You're going to have turnover. But a lot of stuff's going to be moving over the next few days. You've got games today. Of course you do. The playoffs are today. I've got to get going, guys. I'm sorry. My wife's got to go to work, so i got to, I got to hang out with the, uh, the little two-year-old this morning. We're going to go to the park and stuff. But uh, um, you got games today, uh, 10 a.m., by the way. Here in an hour, you've got the Gator Bowl, Wake Forest and Rutgers. You've got Washington State, Central Michigan, and the Sun Bowl. That's at 11, but then the playoffs, Cincinnati, Alabama, I want Cincinnati to win because SEC pride is silly. Every SEC loss is good for the programs in this state. Uh, so go Bearcats, but Alabama's going to win the game. And I really want Michigan to beat Georgia tonight. So we'll see if that happens. You guys be good. Happy New Year. Thank you for tuning in on uh, on this Friday morning. And uh, I'll see you guys on Monday. Y'all have a great weekend. If you're traveling to the Sugar Bowl, be safe. Uh, happy New Year. Enjoy yourself. Last time you get to see Matt Corral uh, playing in Ole Miss uniform. So take it in. Pretty sick uniform that they're wearing as well. So anyway, y'all be good. And uh, I'll talk to you guys on Monday. Talk Mississippi Media Production.